So let's transition to, uh, uh, to the message for today. Uh, this is the final week of our series of what we're calling Detox. It's healthy living from the inside out. And again, for us, we thought as we're starting off January, so many of us are thinking, uh, we have friends going through the 30-day, the whole 30 kind of cleanse or doing all kinds of different fasting and stuff to start off the new year right, to detox and to launch well. And we wanted to do that in our own spiritual lives to kind of examine what are the, the holistic health, our spirits, our minds, and our bodies, and how can we start off this year well. So that's why we've been going through this series, and uh, we've been talking about a lot of things, and today what we want to talk about is the last step of this, and this is the body part of it. So we talked about our spirit and the need to be transformed from the inside. We talked about our mind and kind of how we think and feel and some of the patterns and behaviors. And even last week, having a psychologist join us, which didn't Matt do a great, a great job last week, just being able to share and talk about mental health and that role of our own uh, growth uh, that that plays. Today we want to talk about our bodies, the outside. Because really, this is the part of our lives that is seen. This is the part of our lives that people, let's be honest, they, they judge you by. They see what you do. They see how you behave and how you respond. This is the part of our body, that, or of our lives, that sometimes has the greatest impact. How we express what's going on in our minds. How we express what's happening in our hearts. You know, when you think about our physical actions, our behaviors, you know, it, if we want to get good at something, it, it takes some work, doesn't it? it? You can't just change and be, and be good overnight. It, it's, everything takes some time. Zig Ziglar said this. He said, there is no elevator to success. You have to take the stairs. So most of us know that anytime you want to change or, or have your behaviors different, it, it, it's just a process. Now, maybe there's some instant change every once in a while. I, we have three boys. Um, all three boys can walk, talk, and they're all potty trained. So, and uh, we were not the type of parents that were forcing that to happen very quickly. We kind of just thought, you know, as long as you do all this by college, we're, we're good. So, and, and so... You know, the process of potty training, you know, we had boys, they were always busy. They had other things to do than to focus on that. But I remember with one of them that got to the point where uh, one day he uh, came, we were hanging out downstairs, and he, he dirtied his diaper. I, I changed it, cleaned it up, and just said, I didn't have a clean diaper near me. It was upstairs. And I just told him, like, I'm not going all the way upstairs. I'm not going to get you another diaper. So I'm just going to put your pants back on, and if you have an accident, it's on you, okay? Well, literally, I guess it would be, right? <laughs> but <laughs> this is your responsibility, and if you don't want to, then, then just be potty trained. Literally, I remember this conversation, which is very rational when you're talking to a, a toddler. I kid you not, that was the last day he had an accident. He was kind of like, okay. And so that was instant change. Now, again, he was eight, but so, <laughs> I'm kidding. But those instances of instant change, they don't happen often. And the truth is there was a lot of conversation and a lot of practice that led up to that point. And when we think of our spiritual lives, it's very similar. We can't just say, okay, I'm a new person now. Now I'm totally different. But there's that temptation to do so, is there not? There's this temptation to show everybody, okay, look, this is how I look. And so now you can see I'm, I'm a good Christian. I'm perfect. I, I, I kind of compared it to this, is if, if I put on this 
this visor here and um, put on, you know, a polo shirt and said, I'm a golfer. Look at me. I, I look like a golfer. I'm going to go down to Torrey Pines and walk around today, and I'm going to have my polo shirt on, and I'm a golfer. And I could probably convince you for a little while that this is who I am, that, okay. Now, some of you in here are like, Ryan, I've golfed with you. You are no golfer. So, okay. But we can do a lot of convincing just on the outside. But here's one thing I've learned, especially about golf. And I don't know if, if you've never played golf, I'll just tell you something about it. Um, it, it takes practice. I, I found out it's not so easy. <laughs> if you go out golfing, as I do once a year, uh, my expectations of, of being a good golfer need to go down a little, right? Because you can't just say, you can't just wear the right things. You can't show up and say, I, in my mind, I can hit the drive every time. Because when I play Tiger Woods golf on the Wii, I'm, I'm really good. I'm the number one on the tour. But then, when, when I get out there, it's, it's harder. Because it takes time. It takes practice. You can't just fake it. So how do we as Christians get to the point where we don't just put on the clothes? And by the way, I don't have that visor um, because I golf. It was my Ted Lasso costume from Halloween. But... <laughs> But how do we not just fake it? How do we get actually what's happening on the inside of us to reflect what we want to have on the outside? Because there is, we, we do want our behaviors to change. We do want to look like Christ. But what is that process? And so that's what we want to look at today. Because unfortunately, sometimes when we just focus on the outside, that's where we get into the world of religion. I'll learn to behave the right way so that you're convinced that I'm okay. Or maybe I'm convinced that I'm okay. Maybe if I do the right things, I'm convinced that God might like me another week. And that's where we start to be religious, yet not connected with our God. So here's a few thoughts. Paul writes this in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So as we think of that verse, notice how it starts. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. What is this, a view of God's mercy? What does that mean, in view of God's mercy? Well, this is all of Romans 1 through 11. Everything that Paul was writing about, everything that Paul had been talking about was God's mercy, saying while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. While you were living in your sin, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. He's speaking about it all throughout Romans. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, he says, there's no condemnation for those of you in Christ Jesus. That if God is for you, who can be against you? What can separate you from the love of God? These are all the things that Paul has been writing about. He gets to chapter 12 and he says, Therefore, in light of everything we know about God, in light of the mercies that he pours out on us, in light of this great story of that you are now sons and daughters of God because of his great love, in light of that, I urge you now to present your bodies as living sacrifice. Again, notice this. The sacrifice is no longer dead. That's the old system. 
Christ came and was a sacrifice for our sins, so now we are a living sacrifice, our very life. We are alive. And now I want you to see the rest of that. Holy and pleasing to God. Meaning, your life, your body, is you are holy and pleasing to God. Do you know that? In Christ, you are holy and pleasing to God. I know we tell you this all the time, but how many of you start off the day and say, I am holy, I am a saint, because the reality is, in Christ, that is what you are. We talked about a few weeks ago, we called it our, rea- our eternal reality, is we are saved, we are forgiven, we are sons and daughters of God, and we are holy. Some of you say, um, did you see me yesterday working on my car? That wasn't very holy, some of the things coming out of my mouth. Maybe you'd say, like, did you see me watching my favorite sport team last week when every team in the NFL playoffs lost on the last play? Some of you maybe didn't display holiness in your lives. Fortunately, we're San Diego fans. We don't have to worry about football, right? <laughs> but sometimes you say, whoa, whoa, you think I'm holy? That doesn't sound like me, but Paul's writing, he says, no, if you are in Christ, that is who you, you are holy. So present your bodies. In Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verse 15 and 16, the author of Hebrews writes this, says, through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing for such sacrifices, with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Again, with your life, present it as a sacrifice to God. Your very life, your body, the expressive part of your life. Let's give it to God. Now, here's a question for you. If we are holy, if we are sons and daughters of God, if that is our eternal reality, and again, we're using the imagery of above the line is this eternal reality. You're sons and daughters of God, you're holy, you're pure, you're right with God. But below the line is what we see. It's the world we live in. It's a world in which we experience ups and downs, goods and bads, setbacks and successes, all of those things, hope and despair. This is the life that we live in. Why does it matter to God what our lives look like if we're already holy? Why does it matter to God if, if we are saved no matter what? If we're forgiven because of what Jesus has done, if we've received that, and that's true of us, and nothing will take that away, and we believe that here. We believe that Scripture says once, God, you received his forgiveness, nothing can take that away. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not even your own dumb decisions. Amen? (laughs) So why does it matter? What my outside looks like. Why does it matter? That I present my life to God. If I'm saved, anyway. A hint, I think, is found in the book of Titus. And today I'm, I'm giving you a lot of different verses to look at. But in Titus chapter 2, I want you to, to show you a paradigm of, of the world. Paul's writing and he says this. For the grace, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. So it starts off, he says, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. This is Jesus coming in flesh. So the grace of God was the Messiah, Jesus, who showed up. He appeared and he brought salvation that's available to all of us. Okay, that was the first appearing of, of 
salvation or of grace was Jesus' first coming is of grace. Verse 12 says, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Okay, so now you have verse 12 is this present age. So the grace came, so Jesus came, and then this grace instructs us to live lives uh, denying ungodliness and worldly pleasures and to live sensibly, righteously. So this is now we're in the present age. This is where we're living. And then the next verse says, looking to the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. So this is a future appearance. This is the great glory of Jesus. This is when Jesus returns in all his glory. No longer coming. Next time he comes, he will not come in a manger born of a woman. Next time he comes, he's going to come as the victorious king seated at the right hand of God the Father, the name above all names. Okay? When Jesus comes back again, there'll be no mistake who's in charge. You with me? So there's something that Paul's writing about that happens. There's an appearing of Jesus that came. We read about it in our scriptures. And there will be a future appearing of Jesus full of his glory, but there's something in the present age. And it said we're instructed to live righteously and godly. In fact, go back to, now go to verse 14. It said, Christ Jesus, he gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed. So there's that salvation, right? And to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good deeds. So there's something that happens in between. The appearing of Jesus in the past, the future appearing of Jesus, and right in the middle, there's another appearing of Jesus. And that appearance of Jesus is found in you and in me. In the present age, for people to know who this God is that we say we believe in, for people to know who this God is who loves you and saves you and says, whatever you've done in the past, whatever you'll do in the future, I have taken care of that. In order for people to be introduced to this loving God, they need to see Jesus, and they will see Jesus in his people. You with me? That means that we are the Jesus that the world is going to see. That's what it means to be in the image of God. That's what it means to bear his image. So our, the expression of our lives is for some, this is the only glimpse of God they have. Why does it matter to God? Because he wants people to see his true character. You with me on that? How many of you, if you think of your story of faith, now maybe some of you grew up in a home that believed in Jesus. And some of you grew up in a home where you look at your parents and you say, this was, a per this was such a, no wonder I believe, because my parents modeled love and grace and forgiveness and compassion and all of those things. You saw Jesus in your parents. They were that picture. Some of you, maybe it was a friend, maybe it was a coworker. Some of you had some of this miraculous experiences, but it's been through other people where you said, oh, that's what it looks like. Do you know who doesn't become a Christian? Or do or, or you know what doesn't work to help people be drawn to God? When they see Christians acting anything but like Christ. One of the biggest things that we've talked about it before that people have against the church is what, oh, it's a bunch of hypocrites. 
which I'm always like, yeah, that's okay. That just shows us that God is a God of grace. We, we, we're not hypocrites. We're just, we just make mistakes, right? <laughs> I still believe in God's grace. It's all of that, but I'm not perfect. And that's, that's just scripture. That's just the Bible being proven to be true. But a lot of people will point to it like, oh, Christians, why would I believe in a God that produces these people? So, as our lives, as the expression of our, of our inside starts to show up, it matters because now we're reflecting the image of God. This is the gospels lived out through us. The good news is you and me, which is actually still good news. Some of you are thinking, oh, Lord, really? If I'm your best hope for this world, we're in trouble. It matters. We're a reflection of Christ. So here's the question for us then. How do we allow our outside to reflect what's true of us on the inside? How do we get to that point? Because again, if it's just, I, I, I can give you all kinds of instructions. How many, how many of you, don't raise your hand. How many of you are, are, are jerks? You're just jerks. You know you're a jerk, okay? And you raise your hand and like, okay, here's your instruction. Quit being a jerk. All right, there you go. How many of you have a problem, you know, whatever it is, of, of lashing out in anger and, and everyone around you is like, man, this guy is off the rails. I, I guess I just said guy, but, you know, guys, you, we tend to be the angry ones, right? So you want instruction? Quit doing that, okay? I could do a whole sermon and just say, just stop doing that and be more like Jesus, okay? But that doesn't change us. Because, again, we've been looking at these pathways the last few weeks. We have patterns that are just part of our lives, and it takes time to break them. And just when you think you broke out of the cage, and now you have this new pattern, and, and, and you're, looking, you're walking around, and your family looks at you and says, oh, I thought I saw Jesus. You look so much like him today. Just look at the way you respond, and you're filled with compassion and grace. And what, you, oh, blessed one, what has happened? We have these moments, and then the next thing you know, Something happens and you snap right back into the cage. And then your spouse says, oh yeah, okay. For a minute there I thought you changed, but no, you're, you're the same old you. <laughs> so how? How do we change? Notice the end of uh, Romans, chap or Romans chapter 12, verse 2. The, the end of the verse I shared with you earlier. When it first says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, then verse 2 says, do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. We looked at this a couple weeks ago, actually. And so the, the, the key to starting to have our outside match the inside is as our hearts and our minds are being transformed. As we more and more walk and reflect, we, we, we walk with Jesus, we reflect on the grace of God, we reflect on everything he's done for us to us, in us, through us, around us, that all of a sudden our hearts and our minds begin to be renewed. And it's a process. So today what I want to do is, I, I, this is not one of those sermons, we were talking as a, as a teaching team, and it's very tempting to think that our lives are all about you are what you do. Rather, we want you to know that you do what you are. That when we understand who we are, then that is what we start to do. It's not just the outside that makes us who we are. Because then it's just a guy like me as a poser walking around on the golf course saying, oh, I'm a golfer. 
Because look, I have it, I have the clubs, I have the clothes, I have it all, I have it all figured out. But what happens if I'm faking it? Once we get to that first T, <laughs> you ever golf with people who say like, oh, you know, it's been a long time, I have a tweaked back, you know, I just had my legs sewn back on, so this might not go that well. You start off and you put all your, why do we put all of our excuses out there when we start? I just want you to know if this ball isn't perfect, it's because there's a reason, right? It's because ultimately I know inside I'm a poser. I'm not a golfer. I've learned when I golf, by the way, I just show up and say like, hey, I'm going to hit it as hard as I can, and if it's straight, it will be awesome. (laughs) So next summer when we have the men's golf tournament, you should be on my team. It is fun. (laughs) But we make those excuses because we might get found out. It happens in Christianity all the time. If we're a poser enough, what if people find out the real me? But we want to work on the real you is on the inside. What's God, how is he shaping you? So how do we learn to address the inside? How do we grow and and work on that process for renewing your minds? Again, we introduced this a couple weeks ago. I want to double click on it today. And we want to talk about what I I call spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines. Maybe you've heard it before. Now, spiritual, we talked in our teaching team, and some people are like, I don't like the word spiritual disciplines because it just feels too, I don't know, too old school, or it feels like maybe it it comes with some, for some of you, some history. Maybe you grew up in an environment where your parents are like, you need to have spiritual disciplines and regular discipline and all kinds of discipline. (laughs) And, And it doesn't feel right to you. But I call them spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices. But these are things that help us renew and train our mind. Because here's the thing. If I want to be a great golfer, there's at some point I need to start to practice it. I can't just play the game. I mean, I can't just fake it. I mean, can't just put on the clothes. Can't just show up on Sunday and smile and say, see, I'm saved. Life's perfect. It's good. At some point, we need to rehearse and and dive into the truth. So here's a few spiritual practices, some tips that that help. So the first one is this to think about. Spiritual practices is just studying and and understanding the Word of God. Study of God's Word. Now, this one sounds kind of Sunday school answer, right? We call them Sunday school answers. What am I supposed to do to be a Christian? Well, you need to read the Word of God. Well, I actually think it's helpful if you read the Word of God. (laughs) I think it's helpful to know what the Bible talks about. I I think if we want to know what it looks like to be a person walking with Jesus, we should read about walking with Jesus. We should see what Jesus was like. We learn about compassion and grace. And in fact, after this series, we're doing a whole series on loving like Jesus and what that looked like. Because it's important for us to know. If we're left to just make it up, we can just look in our world and see what people make up. Well, I think Jesus would do this. And you're like, wait, what? Jesus? Who are you talking about? We want to know the word of God. Now, some of you, we've talked about this before. Some of you read the Bible and, and like there's a glow that starts to come across your face. You read it, your family comes down the stairs and you're, you're reading the Bible and they're like, oh, you're in the presence of the Lord. You're like, I am. This is awesome. I've been reading the book of Malachi this morning and in Hebrew, and this is so good. And the rest of your family is like, ah, okay, whatever. Some of you, you read the Bible, and it's just, you think you're reading Hebrew, and it's English. <laughs> like, I don't get this. Or this is boring. 
it's hard for you. I'd say don't give up, but a tip, make it manageable for you. Make it manageable. And if you're having a hard time reading the Old Testament, read some stories of Jesus. Start in the New Testament. But we want to be acquainted with the whole story of God, old to new. But make it manageable. Maybe for you, you just say every day, I'm going to make a goal of just reading 10 verses and just stopping and reflecting on it. Some of you, you don't stop after six or seven chapters. You just, I know someone who reads for like two or three hours a day. They just love to read the Word of God. Some of you, that's harder. Don't neglect it, but make it manageable. I love when I think of Psalm 119. Uh, if you have, you know, a half hour, go ahead and read that later today. <laughs> it's like 180 verses. But David is writing, and he says, Teach me, O Lord, the ways of your statutes. I'll observe them to the end. Give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with my heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies, don't, and not to dishonest gain. Turn away my eyes from looking at vanity. Revive me in your ways. Establish your word to your servant, and that which produces reverence for you. So David's writing, he says, God, I just want to know your words. I want, to, I want those to change and shape who I am. And so you see this, this heart for it. But for you, I, I just want us all take a moment to read, to get to know the Scripture. But make it manageable. And by the way, don't feel guilty if you say like, oh man, that was hard. It's okay. But just try. Take little, little bites. The next one to think about is this. It's uh, meditation and prayer. Maybe after you read or even before you read or instead of reading from time to time, take some time, meditate, think on the words of God, think on the character of God. Just take some moment to say, God, what is it like that you love me? Let me think about your love. Oh my goodness, your grace covers this sin and this sin? Reflect on that, meditate on that. Think about the ways of God. Just take some time to literally just stop and recall and reflect. Prayer. Prayer is one of those things that either, some of you here, you are just like, you are born praying. You are good at praying, right? Some of you, you're like, I'll pray anytime, anywhere. There's a, uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, it says, pray without ceasing. Some of you are like, that's me. I pray without ceasing all the time. In fact, I'm praying for you right now, just praying that you'd say, you know, like you just, that's so natural for you. And some of us say, I'm going to pray at the end of every day. So Lord, I just thank you for today. And thank, oh, my alarm just went off. It's morning. <laughs> Some of your prayer times just, you, you close your eyes to pray, and then you have a good eight-hour nap, right? So I want to encourage you. Take steps of prayer. There's no magic prayer to pray. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 says this, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. All occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So some of you said, hey, can you teach me how to pray? I can give you some like patterns that might help, but here's the thing. Express your heart to God. Just pray. And again, like everything, find a routine that works. Some of you commute to work every morning. What a great time to turn off the radio, turn off the, you know, talk shows, all that stuff and say, God, I'm going to take a moment and just talk with you as I go. And just talk with you. There's a lot more we could talk about that, but um, actually, if you join Rooted, there's a whole week on prayer and a prayer experience we go through. Soren Kierkegaard said this, 
Prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. See, sometimes we think that when we pray, we're trying to twist God's arm to get him to do what we want. But often what happens when we pray, God starts to shape us so that we can see as he sees. And all of a sudden, what he wants starts to become what we want. And praying for that winning lotto ticket maybe isn't our prayer anymore. It starts to be contentment. We start to say, God, I thank you so much that I didn't win the lotto this week. (laughs) Some of you are like, you pray that? (laughs) I told my wife the other day, if God wanted me to win the lotto, I'd find the ticket on the ground. And it hasn't happened yet, but I said, Lord, I'm willing to see that test of faith. (laughs) Another one to think about, silence and solitude. Spiritual practice, silence and solitude. I talked about this a couple weeks ago just briefly, but we are in a world where the discipline of silence is so needed. So needed. What if you just take a moment every once in a while to just be quiet? It's awkward, isn't it? (laughs) So awkward. Silence. Get away. Go somewhere where it's quiet. I know those of you with young kids, you're like, I'm trying, honey, I'm going to practice the discipline of silence because a preacher said to. So I'm going to go sit on the beach all day. Good luck with the kids. <laughs> it's hard. But practice silence. Solitude. Sometimes you just need to get away and be alone. For you, that might be in nature. Those of us who surf, how many of us, we just love that end of the day, you paddle out, the sun's setting, there's dolphins going by, pelicans, and you're just like, there is a God, right? In those moments. And there's times I'll paddle out with, just by myself. Sometimes I'll sit on the outside and just say, I'm just going to sit here for a moment because no one else is here. It's quiet. And Lord, I can just pray and reflect with you in your nature. Some of you need to get up to the mountains. That's where God connects with your heart. If, that, if you connect in nature, when's the last time you are in nature? Maybe some of you need to schedule it and go. Ladies, get away coming up. Might be a good time for that. Get away. Some of you, it's not nature. Some of you, it's the craziness of a city. For some reason, you're just like, Lord, I just love the chaos. It's okay. <laughs> Silence, solitude. And again, I said this before, but I really, really believe we need to learn the discipline of turning off social media. You with me on that? If you spend more time flipping through conspiracy theories and you're like, oh, I've been for four hours and I learned the secret to COVID. If, if, if like you're spending that much time, you say, but I never have time to pray or read the scriptures. It's like, well, let me just look at your schedule for a minute. We wonder why our hearts start off the day so turned up when the first thing we look at is the news. If you start your day looking at the news and you're like, I don't know why I'm so high strong. Like, mm. I don't know either. <laughs> I've had to in my house, and I'm not always good with this because I'm up before everyone, so I've already like mellowed myself, and then I read the news, so when they come downstairs, I'm like, oh, did you read this and hear this? And they're just like, <laughs> so I have to learn the discipline of keeping my mouth shut so everyone else can have some silence. <laughs> Social media, learn to turn it off, learn to limit it. Just do it. You can see your friends' pictures of their food tomorrow. It's okay. So silence and solitude, find time for it. And then the last one I want to talk about today is this fellowship and communion. This is the discipline of not being alone, of being with other people who believe what you believe. Now, you're here, so you're modeling it. We have small groups to model that. 
it's important that you're around people who are like-minded, who believe in Jesus. Because when we're living in Southern California, if you're trying to do this by yourself, pretty soon you are going to be the crazy one in your friend group. You need to be around people who encourage you and help you walk. Now, I want us to know people who do not believe, walk with them, model the ways of Jesus to them, but you have to also have people who are going to encourage you and lift you up and understand the journey you're on. So fellowship and communion, remembering what Jesus did. As we end our time here today, uh, we're gonna, in a moment, we'll talk about one final one. Uh, I'm going to invite the band to make their way back up. Sometimes we can talk about these spiritual pathways and, and disciplines, and, and, you know, some of you say, I don't know, I've tried all of them, and none of them work for me. Any of you there? Say, I've tried praying, I've tried reading the Bible, and God is still silent. I even got away in nature, and then I came back and said, God, I don't know if you're there. And maybe you're in a season where you feel like it's just this spiritual dryness, the desert of your soul. And we were talking about this as a team, and I actually think that even that is part of the process sometimes. That God may want to use a season in your life of utter just silence of God to speak to you. Like, what? The process of getting through that season of staying consistent and staying in the Word and staying with others and, and going through that, what some might call that dark night of the soul, that some of that where you say, God, where are you? Is part of your growth and development. There's a beautiful song by a songwriter named Andrew Peterson the song is called Silence of God. If you feel like you're in that season of your life, I encourage you to look that up. The Silence of God. It just really talks about what happens when I look around and everyone else seems to have it figured out. They have the smile on their face. Life is good. They're the Christians that have it right. And yet I'm sitting here going through hard times or wondering where you are. Sometimes that silence of God is where he speaks to us at some point. It's part of the process. So as we end our time, and some of you might think, hey, I, um, I've made so many mistakes at this, and I haven't figured it out right, and I, I, I don't know. I love what, or, or maybe I've lost a lot of time, and I've never walked with Jesus. I love how C.S. Lewis once said this. He said, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. See, maybe some of you are here and you're saying, I've lost so much time, it's just too late. But God's speaking to you and saying, no, no, no. Start where you are. Start where you are. It's okay. So we're going to end our time here with one final discipline, and it's the discipline of praise and worship. Some of you love worship music. My mom has worship music on like 25 hours a day. It's, it's always on. And it's just, music is her language. She just likes music. And it works, and I think my dad's is silence and solitude. So, you know, they have a lot they can work on there. But, but music is how she connects. Some of you, when the worship plays, you're like, okay, let's go. If that's you, check what's on your Spotify playlist. Check what's in your... Tape deck? I almost said tape deck. <laughs> it's like, I have a tape deck still in my truck, so. 
make sure that for you, if it's worship, that you take time to make sure you're listening to more worship than other things, if that's one of your pathways where you connect with God. We're going to practice that now with one last song. Would you stand with us? And we're going to sing this final song, and as we sing this, we want to just pour out our hearts, and I want you to know wherever you are, God, if you are in Christ, you are forgiven and free. You are a child of God, and he wants to pour his life into you. He wants to transform and work on you, and it's okay where you are. But let's just rest in the grace of God and that he has poured his love into us, as he tells us in Scripture, as our sons and daughters. And let's turn our hearts to him and practice praise in this last song. God, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for all that you do. We thank you that even when, Lord, we don't seek you, that you do not go anywhere, that you are right there with us. And God, in the times when we forget who you are, you don't change who you are. God, the times when we run away, you're right there. As soon as we turn around, you're there. God, we thank you that your grace cannot be outdone by our actions. So would you meet us here, change us, shape us, Lord, let us reflect on all of who you are in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen.